On today's episode of Locked Up With History, we discuss the escape of William Thompson and Thomas Reynolds from the Geelong Jail back in 1865. For one of them, it resulted in freedom, of a sort, and for the other, his freedom was very short-lived. Stay tuned. Warning. This podcast contains discussions of some potentially distressing topics. Listeners, please be advised. with us for true and tall tales unsurpassed with stories from Victoria's dark colonial past spirits executions ghosts murders and ghouls these are the stories they don't teach you at school all these twisted tales of mystique and mystery coming to you now on locked up with history Hello everyone and welcome back to Locked Up With History, Episode 3. My name is Deb Robinson and today we are talking about one of the many escapes that happened from the Geelong Jail. For a secure building, there were many escapes documented over its history. Might have something to do with the high brick wall not being finished properly until the 1880s. But this particular escape had a very different outcome for both of the escapees. Now, the two men in today's story were William Thompson and Thomas Reynolds, who were employed as cooks in the kitchen of the jail and were to prepare breakfast for the rest of the prison population. But on this particular day, as they made their way from the cook cells to the kitchen under the watchful eye of the turnkey on the second tier, they had a very different idea. Once locked in the kitchen wing, they got to work on their plan. Now, before we get into more detail on the actual escape, let's have a look at who these two men were and why were they in the Geelong Jail? Our first escapee was known at the time as William Henry Thompson. He was described as a 30-year-old man who was recorded on his prisoner rap sheet as being 5 foot 9 with dark brown hair and grey eyes with a scar on his left cheek and on his left leg. He used several aliases, including Baxter, Farrell, Courtney, Donkley, Edwards, Ridley, Sinclair and Duncan. But his real name, apparently, was Samuel Gibson. Gibson reportedly arrived in Port Phillip Bay in 1853 with his brother and sister, who both took up residence in Ballarat. Using the name of Samuel Gibson, he was arrested in 1859 for assault and robbery on Cornelius Collins in Ballarat. Gibson and another man, Joseph Williams, were drinking with Collins in a house in Arcade Street for around three hours. When Collins attempted to leave, the entry was barred and he went around the back where Gibson and Williams knocked him down, choked him and robbed him of three pound. Collins admitted he was quite drunk but on testimony from a couple of uh, ladies of the night and the identification of a shopkeeper, Gibson was sentenced to the Ballarat Jail for four years on the roads. His prison record from this time details that he is an old offender of a bad character. Now, Gibson was released from Pentridge Prison in February 1861 with a ticket of leave for the Geelong District. Now, he seemed to have kept his nose clean for a few years, that is, until 1864, when Gibson was brought to court three times for different charges. In April, he was charged with stealing a gold Albert chain from Mr Sleep, a jeweller in Ballarat. 
The chain, amongst other items, were found in Gibson's rooms at the Port Phillip Hotel. However, he was acquitted at trial. But his luck wouldn't hold as Gibson exited the court to freedom and he was re-arrested by Detective Highland on a charge of stealing a gold watch, the property of Mr Stokes of Melbourne. While on remand for that offence, Gibson was charged again with stealing, this time from a bedroom at the Shakespeare Hotel in Melbourne. He was accused of stealing a quantity of money from the pants of a fellow boarder, Mr McKenna. The papers with the money were found by police in the gutter outside Gibson's window, burnt around the edges where he had tried to destroy the evidence. He was again found not guilty. It was now that Samuel Gibson became William Henry Thompson. In September 1864, Thompson entered the Queen's Head Hotel in Ryrie Street in Geelong, wearing a false beard and dark clothing. He asked for a nobbler of whiskey from the landlord Michael Clancy and also a bed. But Clancy refused the bed after he observed that he was wearing a false beard. A servant came down to inform Clancy that a drawer had been broken into and the police were summoned. Thompson stated that he was from Little River, but he was arrested and it was found that he had picklocks, a quantity of money and the watches and the jewellery of Clancy's wife, which had been discovered missing. Thompson was sentenced to three years' sentence for these offences. He had served around 14 months at the time of the escape. You're listening to Locked Up With History. Now, Thomas Reynolds was a young 19-year-old man who'd been jailed for three years for the unprovoked assault on an elderly man named James Hunter. But the history went back to about November 1863, when Reynolds was involved in an impounding scam that Hunter fell victim to. On the 26th of November 1863, James Hunter and his wife Elizabeth witnessed four men drive 65 head of their cattle from the farmer's common near Wintersea, where they were feeding, to an enclosed paddock. The cattle were then driven to the impound yard at Wintersea. Here, Hunter was forced to pay fees to have his stock released. It was apparently a common form of cattle bushranging at the time. Hunter launched a complaint against Charles Jones, William Lowren, Edward Stevens and James Lowren. The cattle had been driven to the Lowren property. Reynolds was one of the defence witnesses who insisted that the men had never left the property, a claim that was later found to be false. The four men were found guilty and sentenced to three months' imprisonment at the Geelong Jail and to repay the fees that Hunter had been charged. Now, immediately afterwards, similar charges were brought against Thomas Reynolds and James Lowren, the only difference being that they performed the ruse in daylight hours. They were 19 years and 13 years, respectively. Lowren was released with a lecture given his young age. However, Reynolds was sentenced to one month behind the bars at Geelong Jail. Now, he obviously fested while he was imprisoned at the jail and on his release, Thomas Reynolds was still harbouring quite a lot of resentment towards the elderly James Hunter. On the 7th of February 1864, Reynolds was spotted hiding behind a tree with a heavy stick in his hand at the property of James Hunter, just outside Geelong at about 9 o'clock in the morning. As Hunter approached the paddock near his home, Reynolds jumped out and demanded to know what Hunter had been saying about him and raised the heavy stick he was armed with to strike Hunter. Hunter responded with, Have mercy on me! But it was to no avail, as Reynolds began beating the old man, striking him three times on the head. Hunter tried to escape, but Reynolds chased him down, knocked him to the ground and put his boot on the old man's throat as he continued to beat him about the body, eventually breaking the old man's arm. 
The attacker only stopped when two young boys approached. James Hunter was discovered lying against a tree covered in blood with a broken arm. One of the cuts on his head was to the bone and about two inches in length. The old man's body was covered in bruises and he lay in a perilous state for weeks, very close to death. So close, in fact, that a dying deposition was taken by a magistrate as a precaution. Reynolds was arrested the following day by a trooper Seville and a group of volunteers. When Reynolds was finally held to account in court, much attention was given to the testimony of James Luren, probably the same boy that he'd been arrested with back in December, who was aged only 13 years. His account was dismissed by the judge, Chief Justice Sir William Stall, as a teenager was unable to read and write and was unable to answer questions from the bench about the difference between heaven and hell or what the difference between truth and lies were. It appeared to be quite a scandal in the newspapers of the day. Thomas Reynolds was found guilty and when asked if he had anything to say, made a rather flippant comment about consideration from the judge given the length of time he had had to wait for it to come to trial. The judge instead lectured him on the poor excuse for a dreadful crime committed by a mere boy and that had he pursued his course, he would have certainly ended up on the gallows instead. Reynolds was found guilty and sentenced to three years with hard labour for the first week of each alternate month in solitary. The judge hoped that the more severe sentence would help Reynolds reflect on the error of his ways. Reynolds had served around half of his sentence at the time of his escape. Interested in learning more about this episode? Join the Locked Up With History Facebook group for more facts and discussions about the dark colonial past of Victoria and beyond. Now let's get to the escape. At 5.45am on the 22nd of September 1865, Warder William Burke released the two men from their cells via a lever at the top of the second floor stairs and then locked them in the south wing to perform their cooking duties. The cook cells were three cells in the east wing that have a special locking system operated by a lever on the second tier. It only opened those three cells, so prisoners assigned as cooks could be released before the rest of the prisoners. A similar system was operated on the grill door leading to the kitchen wing. But on this day, Thompson and Reynolds had other ideas than cooking breakfast. I often wonder whether anybody actually got breakfast on this particular day. The kitchen wing was newly completed and the high brick wall was yet to be built around this wing, still having the wooden palisade fence. Using a piece of wood, Thompson would wrench one of the iron bars from the bluestone surrounding the window. These bars were supposed to have been set two and a half inches into the surrounding brick, but it was found at a later inquiry that these had only been sunk to one inch, making them very easy to dislodge. The two men made their way unseen over the wooden fencing and would enter Burke Crescent near where the Pivot Hotel once stood, a street over from the jail, and they were there seen talking to a third unknown man. The man had pulled their shirts out of their pants and had them hanging down in an attempt to disguise the prison branding on them. Unluckily for the two escapees, at the same time, Warder James Curley, who lived nearby, was making his way to work at the jail, and he recognised Reynolds. He called out, Is that you, Reynolds? And the three men immediately dispersed in different directions, with the unknown man heading towards town, Thompson heading towards Chilwell, and Reynolds being captured before he had a chance to run. Reynolds was back behind the bluestone walls of the Geelong Jail before 15 minutes had elapsed from the escape. 
The jail itself was unaware of the escape until Curly arrived with Reynolds at the front gate. Thompson had a little bit more luck. Running off in the direction of Chilwell, Thompson was spotted by Warder Pardew, who was heading to the jail for duty as well. He recognised Thompson was a prisoner by the brand of the penal department on his trousers. Thompson was carrying a parcel under one arm, which was thought to be a change of clothes, and he was also armed with a knife. Pardew gave chase for over a mile and a half before he lost sight of Thompson and attracted the attention of the police. It was then that Thompson was lost after he cleared a fence and disappeared into a garden near the Cremorne Hotel, leaving the water in his wake. The following day, a resident of the area named Brown reported a sum of money stolen and evidence that someone had slept under his bed to the police. Despite its search, no trace of the escapee was found. Thompson was last seen heading towards Ballarat with a false moustache in his possession. Thompson would not be heard of again until a month later when he was finally apprehended in Adelaide. The superintendent of police received a telegram from his counterpart in South Australia advising of the capture. But South Australian authorities would be no more successful at holding Thompson than the Victorians had been. For a fascinating look at life in a colonial prison, visit Geelong Jail Museum. Situated just over an hour from Melbourne in the heart of Geelong, it's Victoria's most intact and longest continually operating colonial prison. For information, search for Geelong Jail or call 1300 865 800. In December 1865, while being held at the Adelaide Jail on remand waiting to be sent back to Victoria, Thompson managed to escape once again. Thompson obtained permission to work using the excuse of an active mind and was assigned to the gardens next to the Adelaide Jail. This area was watched carefully by a warder. Thompson managed to get hold of his original clothing, which had been replaced by the prison garb. He stuffed his prison clothing with garden refuse and managed to make an effigy of himself and placed it in such a position that it appeared as though he was leaning on a shovel. This initially looked to anyone watching that he was engaged in digging with great intent until he made no response to a command from the water. Eventually the water went to check on Thompson, fearing he'd been overcome with sunstroke as it was a hot day, only to discover the escapee's ruse. The escape was promptly reported, but Thompson managed to disappear without a trace. Thompson did reappear, however, about 12 months later, now using the name of Henry Sinclair in Ipswich in Queensland. And of course, he was up to his old tricks. Sinclair was on trial for having on July 29, 1866, broken into a hotel called the Highland Home in Ipswich, owned by Hugh Campbell. Sinclair had been drinking there the night before, but left and the landlord locked up the building. Campbell was woken by his wife a few hours later, who said someone was in the house. Campbell found a ladder leaning against the wall and a quantity of money and jewellery were missing. Sinclair was arrested the following afternoon while boarding a ferry and with a distinct five-pound note found stashed in the band of his hat. The first trial failed to arrive at a verdict and the charges were quashed and immediately new charges were bought and went to trial straight after the first. This time, the jury retired for 40 minutes and found him guilty and sentenced him to seven years incarceration. Thompson was also known by the aliases of Henry Edwards and Henry Ridley at the time. 
Although Sinclair was identified at this time as William Thompson, who had escaped from Geelong Jail in September 1865, no action seems to have been taken regarding the escape. Thompson's incarceration in Queensland is the last that we hear of him. If you'd like to visit some of the places featured on Locked Up With History, book in a tour with Twisted History. For the full range of tours and to book, visit twistedhistory.net.au. In the meantime, back at the Geelong Jail, Thomas Reynolds would be charged with breaking out of jail, to which he pleaded not guilty. He would be given another 12 months with hard labour on top of his original sentence. But Reynolds did not learn his lesson and would attempt to break out again in December 1865. Turnkey Irwin was doing the evening muster when he discovered that the door to Reynolds' cell was malfunctioning and notified Governor Brodie who ordered Reynolds to be removed to another cell. Now part of the process of moving the prisoner was a search of the cell and it was found that Reynolds had a duplicate master key for all of the cells on his tier hidden in his night bucket. Picklocks were also found hidden elsewhere in the cell. It was further discovered on investigation that the iron door to the chapel was left unlocked and that another wooden door which led to the senior turnkey's rooms and where a number of keys to all areas of the jail were held was fastened only with a fork. Another interesting event was the fact that someone broke into the jail a couple of hours after Reynolds had been moved to another cell. It was thought this person from the outside was there to assist Reynolds in his escape but was foiled by him being placed in a different and more secured cell. Reynolds was immediately removed to another cell and was visited by the Governor and Turnkey Pardew daily. Reynolds was heard to remark that if it wasn't for Irwin, he would have got clean away. A few days later, Reynolds provided Governor Brodie with a written statement accusing Turnkey Irwin as the one who had provided the master key to him. Reynolds was believed. The sheriff began proceedings against Turnkey Irwin, who was an elderly man, before the mayor and the police magistrate at the jail. Irwin was released on a surety of £50, while the investigations into the events continued. On the 4th of January 1866, Turnkey Irwin appeared before two magistrates, but the matter was adjourned once again. The charges were finally heard on the 9th of January at the Central Police Court where it was remarked by the police magistrate that the charges were of a nature that needed to be heard in an open court. The charges were eventually dismissed, but the events that led to a thorough investigation by a board of penal authorities representing the Governor and Council. E.P. Stewart, William Champ and William Templeton inspected the Geelong Jail on the 30th of January 1866 and also into the events that had transpired. There was nothing in evidence to implicate any of the awarders in the attempted escape by Reynolds, as the keys were accessible to all of the officers in the jail and to the senior turnkey servant. Now, this particular servant was found to be a prisoner of dubious character, and it was found further that he was the one most likely to have passed the master key to Reynolds to be used for the escape. The only other incident exposed by the investigation was that Turkey Andrews had been acting as a messenger between the prisoners and their friends and loved ones outside the Bluestone Walls. You're listening to Locked Up With History. Now, before we ourselves make our escape from this episode, please don't forget to join us over on Facebook and the Locked Up With History group. This is where you can ask me any questions about the current episodes and sometimes there will also be some photos or other media that complement the current podcast. 
I hope to see you over there sometime soon. Alternatively, if you want to head over to the Locked Up With History website, uh, where I'll be putting up links to the episodes and, of course, some of the photos again. This is a work in progress at present and will be updated shortly. And the link to the website is also in the show notes for this episode. In our next episode, we'll be returning to 1853 and what should have been the very first public execution in Geelong. But luck was on the condemned man's side rather than with the authorities. Join me for the story of John Goldman, a trooper who ended up on the wrong side of the law. Until then, see you on the darker side. information on the story from today's episode check out the show notes or join the locked up with history facebook group remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts